It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Day 14 of 15 for BYU Spring Ball is in the books. What is the latest coming out of Provo? We'll talk about that, and we're answering your questions on a Mailbag Thursday. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys making it a part of your routine whenever you listen to this. I cannot thank you guys enough for the support. Uh, today's show is brought to you, as always, by our friends over at the Locked On Podcast Network, the network we're proud to be affiliated with. Of course, the motto is your team every day, and as such, we are your only Daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Diving right in on today's show is out of BYU football practice yesterday, day 14 of 15 for BYU Spring Ball. They'll finish things up on Friday with a practice down in Provo. It'll be the final time we'll be able to speak to the players and coaches uh, ahead of BYU entering the summer months. Obviously, they'll be getting ready to join the Big 12 on July 1st. Obviously, July will have a busy month for BYU as compared to what it's been for the last 12 or so years when they'll have media day mid month month in the month of July down there in Arlington, Texas, but it's coming fast and furious, my friends, so get ready for it, but spring ball getting close to wrapping up, and yesterday's practice was an interesting one for the Cougars, in my opinion. We were out there as a media core. We actually got a little bit of an extended look. We got about 30 minutes of observation yesterday, and the vast majority of the time we were out there, BYU was working on situational drills, and what I mean by that is uh, working on certain downs and distances, goal-to-go situations. You got short time. You need to get points in, in this circumstance. You, get, you guys get what I'm talking about. It wasn't full live scrimmage type stuff. It was more situational, and that's not a bad thing that BYU is doing that right now. They're, I think, working on some of the finer points of what they're doing, particularly on offense when it comes to how they're going to handle things in short yardage situations, on the goal line. And uh, overall, uh, based on the media observation yesterday, actually a better day kicking the football. We saw three field goals attempted by BYU's kickers, uh, two of them by Matthias Dunn. He missed the first one, according to the officials. But my angle, actually, I thought it went right over the top of the cross, uh, not the cross, by the upright, where it should have been good. But that play was negated by an offsides call by the defense, if I recall correctly. He came back out and punched it through for three points. Also, Will Farron, the transfer from Boise State, saw the other action kicking I made his field goal, so a better day kicking for BYU. Now, with regards to the quarterbacks, the only quarterbacks we saw as a media core out there were uh, Keaton Slovis and Jake Retzloff. Now, uh, don't take anything, don't take any stock of that, really, because in spring ball, it's so situational and so fluid with regards to how guys are on the depth chart. It's very clear that Keaton Slovis is the guy for BYU on the offense as their starting quarterback. He's going to be that way going on into the summer. I would ultimately expect that BYU does decide to name captains at the conclusion 
inclusion of spring ball later this week, that he likely will be named one of those captains. Uh, they have not typically done that in the past, but it's a new era for BYU football. Kalani Sitake preached about the urgency when he was speaking with the media yesterday that everybody in the program feels. He knows that there's a lot still to come for BYU, a lot of changes that are required, uh, upgrade in talent, hopefully. He also acknowledged that they're going to be, as he called them, uh, pretty straightforward conversations in terms of exit interviews with each player in the program, meeting with their respective position coaches, and in some circumstances with Kalani himself. And they'll be under under the impression of exactly where, not under the impression, they'll be told exactly where they stand in relation to the program, where they're kind of running in their uh, respective positions, that type of stuff. And he said that those conversations may lend itself just simply due to the new circumstance in college football of guys leaving via the transfer portal. And he is very upfront about it. Speaking of Kalani, he's very willing to help guys who are looking for new opportunities. If BYU is not going to be the place for them, he is happy to make phone calls on their behalf and try and help them find an advantageous circumstance for themselves to continue their playing career. And I actually really respect that he has taken that approach when it comes to the transfer portal. There are other coaches out there who are not that way. Essentially, uh, you enter the transfer portal in certain coaches' minds and you're as good as dead to them. And that, that's not the way to approach it, honestly. Now, other things I took away from yesterday's uh, uh, showing, uh, we saw a couple of touchdowns. Uh, Chase Roberts actually uh, completing a pass to Talmadge Gunther for a touchdown in a situational drill uh, for BYU. We also saw a touchdown throw from Jake Retzloff that went to Koa Eldridge, uh, the redshirt freshman uh, return missionary. Uh, He got a nice pass across the middle. He was kind of running a drag route, it felt like, across the goal line. And uh, Retzloff had to scramble a little bit, and Eldridge just kind of went into scramble drill, and Retzloff fired in there for for a touchdown. Now, Retzleff also had another pass that pinged off of the hands of Hobbs Nyberg during those drills. The ball like hit off two other defenders, and then Ethan Slade, the former walk-on out of Orem High School, uh, collected it out of midair for the interception. Pretty highlight real play. Honestly, maybe that have been the best play of the media observation window yesterday. So, uh, overall, I thought both offense and defense had their moments in this one. This was not a scrimmage where I could come out of it, which I've done in the past over the past month or so, talking about BYU spring ball and say, okay, the defense definitely won that day. Uh, across the board, if you were going back over the, we've probably been out there, I think 10, no, no, not, maybe not 10, but at least nine of the days that we've had media observation, I'd say the majority of those have been the defense in the media observation windows, the defense winning the day. I felt like yesterday it was actually a very evenly evenly matched uh, lineup with regards to the offense and the defense going head to head. And that means that the offense has continued to improve. Are they a finished product by any means? No. And the defense is far from a finished product product, but I, what I can tell you is what I love about this defense in particular is just the passion they're playing with. Jay Hill and his assistants underneath him, uh, speaking of Justin Anna, Kelly Papinga, Sione Bua, as well as Gennaro Guilford, they've just reinvigorated this defense. I don't think by any means that they're any more talented or worse off than they were a year ago defensively, but there is a passion there for the defense, and I, that may uh, come off as a slight towards the previous regime, but it's just, it's just simply not that way. It's just that this these guys guys, they've been reinvigorated. They're, they're looking uh, at a new lease, a lease on life in a way when it comes to playing in this defense, and it re- very evidently has shown up during spring ball. Alright, a couple other notes uh, from today's uh, practice that I took away. Uh, I also really liked uh, what I saw from some of the offensive linemen. Now, uh, there were... Uh, 
changes along the offensive front as there have been throughout spring ball. They're trying all kinds of new uh, combinations. But one guy that I've been looking forward to finally seeing an opportunity to see him actually practice was Caden Chidester. Now, uh, Chidester, if many of you might recall, is a former athlete at Richfield High School, was a basketball star that was discovered by BYU's uh, football coaches and felt like that he could make the transition to playing football. He was originally tabbed before his mission to play defensive line for BYU, but has returned home, and he is now playing on the offensive front for BYU. They had him lining up at right tackle during the media observation window. And the one thing I can say about Caden Chidester, my friends, is he is one gigantic human being. Like I, I'm not even joking. When I say he may have the biggest frame of BYU's entire offensive line right now. Now, they've had some guys with some really expansive frames in the past. Uh, Blake Freeland, No Slouch, uh, Harris Lachance, Brady Christensen. They've had some guys who are well put together, just looked apart as offensive linemen. Just like we're talking Viking type people. Caden Chidester might be the biggest of the bunch. I am just absolutely fascinated by his frame. Time will tell if he ultimately can be a productive member of BYU's football team and really make a run at a starting position down the road. But the one thing he does have is, like I said, just he is a human being that can engulf other human beings. He is just so big, such a big frame. And he's put on some pretty good weight. They're listing him north of 300 pounds right now. And it feels like he can probably still pack on some weight. I also had a chance to catch up with Kingsley Suomataia, BYU star left tackle. We'll have that for you on the podcast here in the next couple of days. But uh, he is looking pretty trim. He looks every bit the part of the next standout left tackle for BYU. There's nothing that I've seen from him in spring ball that would dissuade me from thinking that he has a chance to go in the NFL draft next year, make it two straight years of BYU's left tackle being drafted. Three of them in the past would be the fourth, maybe five years with Brady Christensen. Also, pretty stellar run as compared to some of the other uh, guy, other programs out there to have three straight of your left tackles being drafted in the NFL. It's no, uh, that, there's, what I'm trying to say, that's not something to sniff at. It's absolutely phenomenal that they're developing offensive linemen at the pace they are doing at BYU once again. There was a two-decade drought, it felt like, uh, from about 2000, well, not two decades, but 2000 to about 2020, 15 years or so, uh, between offensive linemen getting drafted by the NFL. It used to be a very regular occurrence, like almost an annual deal in the 90s and 80s, but now they're finally just getting back to it. And it's really impressive to see what uh, Kingsley looks like. Like I said, we'll have that interview for you guys. It's a one-on-one I did with him uh, coming up in just a few days. Uh, Other things I I took away. Uh, One other one, I guess the only thing I, I, I probably will add uh, on this just based on the notes I wrote down is that also saw some Ryder Burton. I forgot to mention that earlier. He was actually doing uh, some drills right as we were walking out as a media corps. They had uh, finished up a period, as they call them, in their practice. He was actually seeing some time at quarterback. Ryder Burton continues to fascinate me because the offense he played in at the high school level was just so archaic. We're talking I-formations and run the ball downhill, play action pass. And a lot of people, yours truly included, I will admit, I was very questionable about, well, I was questionable, lukewarm about what Ryder Burton ultimately could do at BYU, but they never wavered. Speaking of the coaching staff at BYU, they never wavered, based on what I understand, in taking his commitment and believing that he can be a part of the BYU football program moving forward. Uh, Will it ultimately pan out that way? Only time will tell. But so far, in the limited batches we have seen from him, he looks like a poised quarterback. Similar to Retzloff, I still think he needs to gain 20 pounds. He just looks so skinny out there as compared to some of his teammates who have been in a college weight room and had 
have the training table, as they call it, to, to bulk them up. He needs to gain some weight, but there are skills there. There, there is undeniable talent from Ryder Burton, and we'll see what happens. I, I'm intrigued to see if he can continue to develop and if he can be a, a, a part of the quarterback battle maybe down the road. If everything pans out the way I think it's going to go, it'll be Keaton Slovis this year, year one of the Big 12, Jake Retzloff the next year or two after that, and then maybe at that point if Ryder Burton decides to stick around and, and, and wait things out, he could find himself maybe at that point as a, as a redshirt sophomore potentially batting, battling for a starting job, and at that point, in theory, his skills have been refined. He's gained that weight that I think he needs to gain, and then at that point, it ultimately may, may be the Ryder Burton show. We'll find out. But Luke Moga, obviously, as we talked about on yesterday's podcast uh, for you guys out there, uh, you know that his decision is coming up on April 28th as well, and he obviously would factor into the QB battle down the road as well if he were to pick the Cougar. So uh, overall, uh, I've thought a pretty productive day for BYU. Like I said, not not a ton of like big, overarching, wow moments for us as a media core out there. But at this point in spring ball, they're very much uh, on the downward uh, trend. They're not throwing in a ton of new stuff at this point. It's more about refining what they've worked on for the previous 13 practices leading into the yesterday's practice, number 14. And number 15 on Friday, we'll see how they handle it. I would imagine there'll probably be some more live work, maybe more of a scrimmage format for the second, third, and fourth stringers to really uh, get some film out there for the coaches when they finally make their ultimate decisions. And I am hoping at some point we'll get a, a depth chart. Will that ultimately come our way at the end of spring ball? Uh, I have my doubts, but I can ask. So we'll see what happens. And if not, I'll do my best to give you an educated look at what I think the two deep will be for BYU going into training camp. All right. So there you go, my practice observations. We're going to switch gears now and let you guys uh, have the control of the show. We do this on Thursdays every single week here on the Locked On Cougars podcast. It's kind of a fun feature I've enjoyed doing. We call it Mailbag Thursdays. You guys send in your questions via social media, and we're going to address as many of them, if not all of them, as we roll throughout today's show. We'll get to that in just a moment. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. Now, many of you know that I'm a huge fan of Built Bar. The best part is if you're looking for a delicious snack but don't want all the sugar and calories that come with your traditional uh, protein bar, or even a candy bar, then you need to try the best tasting protein bar ever. That's built. You got to try it. If you're like me and you want to make the healthier snack choices out there, but you don't want to compromise on taste, Built Bar is the one for you. The best part is they're healthy and they taste amazing. They're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate, my friends. On the outside, you will not believe how incredible they taste as well. You got unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, cookies and cream. I recently received an order of grasshopper cookie and cookie dough flavors. I am a built fanatic and I cannot encourage you has enough to give them a shot. The best part is the macros on these things are absolutely incredible. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And also, you can stop by your local Walmart or Sam's Club today to get your specialty flavors. Uh, uh, excuse me. You can stop by your local Walmart and Sam's Club today to pick up your bars if you need them right now. But you also can get your specialty flavors still at Built.com. So head to your local nearest Walmart. Uh, stop, to, stop by the pharmacy section. Grab yourself a box of Built Bars. Same thing at a Sam's Club. Pick up a 4-bar uh, pack of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puff. Or like I said, if you want to go online, go to Built.com. And while you're there, use the promo code LOCKEDON15 for 15% off your order. And for, lest I forget, also Sam's Club, they got a 13-bar pack as well if you want them more in bulk. But many, many options to get and enjoy the best-tasting protein bars. But do it with our friends at Built Bar. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. 
your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Cannot thank you guys enough for your continued support of the podcast as always. If you have not done so, make sure you leave us a rating and review. I feel like this is a pretty fun product, something that I enjoy doing. I'm I'm married to the grind. My wife is so understanding of what I do. I do these, uh, typically I record them in the evening hours, and she is uh, kind enough to let me uh, have this, uh, let me do this on a day-to-day basis. But a way that you guys can help support that and keep the dream going for me is leave us ratings and reviews. I've actually seen a number of you. I gotta give you guys shout outs that have been sharing this on social media, also sharing it uh, on different message boards as well, helping get the word out about the podcast. You guys are what makes this go. So share with your family and friends. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts in the regular podcast format, leave us a five-star rating as well as a review. If you're watching this on YouTube, I'm gonna point down here. If you have not done so, hit that subscribe button. Also hit the bell button that and excuse me enables notifications that way you'll see when a new episode drops and you'll be able to tune in right away but thank you so much it's a fun product i think it's a quality product at least i endeavor to make it a quality product and hopefully uh, you guys will continue to join us every single day. And that's what, by the way, a new thing we're going to start calling y'all. The guys uh, the guys and gals out there who listen to us every day, I know who you guys are. You guys know who you are. We're starting to call you guys everydayers. You're going to be rewarded. We're going to be talking more about that in coming episodes of what that is going to mean for the Locked On Network. But uh, get used to that new term. Every dayer is going to be a new thing that we're going to be featuring right here on the Locked On Cougars podcast. All right, uh, enough of that. On to the mailbag. And you guys had some good questions this week. Now, one came in via email, and it came in uh, via David. And he asked this question. He said, Jake, I've been recently, I recently found your podcast on YouTube. Great job. Well, thank you, David. I appreciate that. Uh, I just wanted a little, bit know, a little bit more about your background. I know that you do sports radio, but how ultimately did you get to where you are at? Now, I could spend an entire episode walking, through, walking you through every stop along the way getting me to the level I'm at right now doing this podcast doing what I do in sports radio for the KSL Sports Zone but let's suffice it to say that I was given the break of all breaks when I was a, a junior no as a sophomore at BYU at the time uh, back in the late 2000s actually it was 2010 uh, I remember that actually vividly I just recently had re- uh, joined Twitter Greg Rubel the voice of the BYU Cougars uh, put out a tweet uh, during that early heyday of Twitter and said hey I'm looking for a broadcast assistant and intern for the upcoming football season and I I was working in a job, like I said, going to school at BYU, had no background in, in communications. I, I was studying history at BYU, and I actually finished my I finished my time there at BYU studying history as well. I, I have a comms minor, but uh, I felt like that'd be really fun to do, and I wasn't going to really pursue it because I just thought it was a, kind of a passing thing. But to my father's everlasting credit or detriment, depending on who you ask, he was the one that said, Jake, apply for it. The worst they can say is no. I, I've talked about this on the podcast. It's one of the, the big pieces of advice advice that he's given me that stuck with me all these years. There's other ones that stand out, but that one most notably, the worst they can say is no to you. I applied for the job. Gregor Bell called me a few days later and said, I'd like to interview you for the job. I sat down with him and about a week later, I got uh, a call from Greg saying, I'm going to give you the opportunity to be a part of the broadcast this year. I'm going to make you my intern. And I spent an entire year working with Gregor Bell in that football season. It was the Brandon Burton blocked field goal uh, as some of you might recall when BYU lost to Utah. There's also Jimmer Mania, the Jimmer senior season at BYU in basketball. What an introduction to working in sports radio, and I just fell in love with it, honestly. I spent the following year, I was the NBA lockout year, and David Locke was looking for interns. I uh, spent a season working with him. That led me to an opportunity to work full-time with what is now the KSL Sports Zone. Back then, it was 1280 The Zone, uh, The Zone Sports Network. Scott Gerard hired me 
to be the first producer to help build up what is now Cougar Sports 960 with Ben Criddle. Uh, Lemma Harrington and Ben Criddle were the original hosts of that program. I produced it for about two years, then got the opportunity to get promoted, and I've been working for the past nine years, actually, as of this month. Nine full years, going into my 10th year, uh, coming up a decade almost, working with DJ and PK in the morning on the KSL Sports Zone. So, a little bit about my background. I've been covering BYU the entire way along that. I've been at uh, more media sessions, press conferences, and games than I care to admit, but it's been an incredible ride. And David, uh, hopefully that gives you a little more of the background. Uh, I grew up a guy that I grew up at the foot of Lavelle Edwards Stadium. I grew up in Orem, Utah. went to BYU games my entire life. I'm lucky enough to live the dream that I'm living today, and it's something I honestly, it supersedes everything I could have hoped to have accomplished when I was a young buck who thought it'd be really, really cool to talk about the Cougars for a living. And I'm lucky enough to do do that on a daily basis with this podcast. But my uh, overall sports fandom expands beyond BYU. And I scratch that itch, if you want to call it that, by working with DJ and PK and doing what I do in sports radio. So uh, long answer to a short question, but thank you for reaching out, David. All right, other questions coming in here via social media. Next one, uh, KWADS at KWADS5. If Mark Pope were to miss out on Stephen Ashworth, uh, excuse me, miss out on Stephen Ashworth, Baker, Gerard, and Khalifa, speaking of the transfer portal guys, on a scale of 1 to 10, how worried would you be about Pope and BYU's recruiting in the NIL era? If they were to miss out on all four of those guys, so Stephen Ashworth, Dawson Baker, both members of the LDS Faith Returned Missionaries, uh, uh, Joe, uh, not Joe, Gerard, Joseph Gerard, uh, Joe Gerard, out of Syracuse, a guy who's got connections with Jim Fredette being from Glens Falls, New York, and as, as well as Ali Khalifa. That would be concerning if they whiffed on all four of them. And I would say my worried, if you if 10 is like the alarm bells are going off and a nuclear meltdown is about to occur, if that's what 10 counts as, I would say on that scale, I'm probably pin, sitting about a 7. I'd be very concerned, honestly, if they were to miss out on all four of those guys. We'll see how it ultimately pans out. The I guess one redeeming factor in all of that, K-Wads, is if the, they miss out on those four guys, over 20% of all college basketball players this year have entered the transfer portal so far, and there are still weeks to go in this transfer portal period. There are going to be so many options out there, but I do believe BYU needs to hit on possibly two, maybe three of the guys that you mentioned. I think that Stephen Ashworth is a, is a need. I think Ali Khalifa is a need. I also think that Dawson Baker is a need. But it, it also, Trey Tennyson out of Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Essentially, you mean either Cor- uh, Trey Tennyson or Dawson Baker. Those are probably my wish list. I've talked about this on the podcast. So those are, like I said, the everydayers out there. You guys know where my thoughts lie. I think it should be Stephen Ashworth and Ali Khalifa are your top options you're chasing right now. And then at that point, you reevaluate if things don't work out. Next question. Richard Rob at Tesla Rob 14 says, what are the chances Gonzaga joins the Big 12? What are the pros and cons should they join? Uh, I think that it's a better than average chance that Gonzaga joins the Big 12, but at the same time, I also do wonder if Gonzaga is kind of being foolhardy, jumping out of the West Coast Conference. They play at an elite level. They've made runs to the national title game, have not broken through with the national title quite yet, but they have proven that they are an elite college basketball program that is uh, just head and shoulders above everybody else in the West Coast Conference. Do you really want to go and maybe be the second or third fiddle in in the Big 12 behind like a Kansas or something like that? That's the question to be. The pros are it makes the basketball conference in the Big 12 
even more elite than it already is. It would just be absolutely astounding how good it would be speaking of basketball. The cons? Well, it's just another program to beat up beat up on BYU basketball potentially. That that's the con is it's another power program that is going to be in that conference they'd be going head to head with in basketball. Makes uh, recruiting that much harder, makes winning that much harder. So that I guess the pros and the cons is the fact that the simple fact that they do join or not, Richard, and hopefully that uh, answers your question. Uh, next one, Blake Goodfellow says uh, he's a Blake Goodfellow one on Twitter says number one, how much do you know about LES ticket sales? Uh, to answer that one, some. Two, how many season tickets versus single-game tickets do they try to sell? Uh, that, I actually don't know the exact answer. I'll, I have to do some more digging on that. Number three, how many people were turned away or not allowed to get season tickets? Now, that has been a hot topic of conversation. The way I understand it is if you have had season tickets in the past two or three years, you've been, or even longer than that, you've been renewing annually, you should be given the opportunity to renew your tickets, at least the way I understand it to be. What I have been told is BYU has sold out of their season ticket allotment for this upcoming season. The excitement about the Big 12 is real, my friends. And if you missed out on your chance to renew, uh, they may have been released. You may have lost out on the opportunity. Essentially, you needed to renew as soon as you were able to, the way I understand it about BYU. I would assume the season ticket uh, threshold is somewhere, I'd say, around the 50000 mark. Maybe well, It's probably not that, that high because you also have the student tickets with regards to the Rock Passes. So maybe it's 40000 But the way I understand it, BYU has sold out. So if you were hoping to get season tickets this year for the first time, well, hopefully you had a family friend that was in the Cougar Club and could get them for you because right now they are not available. Now, there could be some that come available if Got, uh, if uh, Cougar fans who are still yet to renew don't renew their tickets, that may open up some slots and that may be a, a last gasp effort, but it is going to be, at least on paper, uh, full capacity crowds at Lavelle Edwards Stadium for year one of the Big 12 era, and I, for one, can't wait for it. Now, the final question here for you, Blake Goodfellow. Are they happy with the process, speaking of BYU, or they do, want, do they want changes in the future? Well, here's the thing. If uh, demand exceeds availability, the, the, speaking of how many people want tickets versus how many tickets are available, well, there's two ways to handle that. Either you expand the stadium or you raise ticket prices to price out people and open up new tickets. The way I understand that BYU is operating with regards to Lavelle Edwards Stadium is I do not believe they have any plans to expand in the near future. Honestly, I think they would rather build a new stadium, maybe with a, a, a increased capacity, versus filling in the corners at LES. I know that sounds uh, backwards in a way, but that's the way I feel they would go if they were to ultimately do it. So I think the question will be, okay, how much do you have to pay in uh, Cougar Club dues to maybe get your access to your tickets? Uh, the Cougar Club gets you uh, a potential to get tickets. Other uh, fan uh, associations, what do you call them? Booster groups is what I probably should use. Like Utah, for example, you have to pay a pretty significant sum to be a member of their Crimson Club just to have potential access at season tickets. I could see BYU increasing the need to be a Cougar Club member and pay higher dues to be a part of this. I think there is going to be an increased ticket price for BYU in this Big 12 era. They've already increased them, I know, this season, but Expect that to continue to go up. Like I said, when uh, availability exceeds, uh, no, excuse me, when demand exceeds availability, you got to change some things. And I think BYU can uh, demand a higher uh, price point, it looks like, just based on what I understand about t season tickets right now. And we'll see where it ultimately uh, shakes out in that. But very interesting conversation. All right, we will get to a few more of these questions before we go on today's show. Uh, but first, need to get a word in on our friends over at Perry Homes. Whether you're looking for your first home, you're ready to upgrade to your dream home, Perry Homes has a house for you. 
you. For 50 years, Perry Homes has been Utah's premier home, build, home builder Excuse me, with communities throughout the state. They have many communities, home designs, and price points to help meet your needs. they got beautiful communities in Davis, Salt Lake, Tooele, and Utah counties. They also have multiple communities in Washington County near St. George if you want to move down south. They offer over 50 unique home designs from Ramblers to two stories to townhomes to fit your needs. They even have quick moving homes available if you're ready to move now. And they offer generous financing incentives through their preferred lender if you want to get started right away. Visit PerryHomesUtah.com today to see what's new in Utah's finest neighborhoods. That's PerryHomesUtah.com to learn more now. For 50 years, Utah has been coming home to Perry Homes. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Thank you once again for checking out Locked On Cougars and joining the show on a daily basis. You uh, everydayers, as we're calling you uh, moving forward, here's a new network initiative to reward you guys who join us on a daily basis. And hopefully more of you will take advantage of this. Like I said, there's going to be more details coming on this and stuff we're going to try and do with folks who check this out on a daily basis. But uh, thank you for your support. Uh, by the way, i got to give a shout-out to Jeff. Had a great conversation with him down there at BYU Practice yesterday. Uh, Jeff, thank you for your support of the podcast. It was actually, uh, we've got a unique connection going all the way back to my high school days that we put together. But uh, Jeff, thank you. i just give you a quick shout-out on today's show. It was good to meet you yesterday, and thank you uh, for supporting the podcast. All right, uh, before we go here on the show, I, I meant to talk about another game in BYU football history, but uh, we'll push that off to tomorrow. We'll talk about BYU and San Jose State back in 2015 as our look back at all 155 games of BYU's independent era rolls on. But I want to get these other questions in before we go on today's show. Uh, next question comes in from our good friend Nick Lee. If you could guarantee one win during the 2023 BYU football season, which game would it be? Now that is a very very good question, Nick, because I've been thinking about this ever since I saw you submitted on social media about which game I would favor for BYU to win this season. Now, uh, I think the contenders for me are Texas, Oklahoma, uh, Arkansas as the lone non-conference matchup as a Power 5 opponent against an SEC school. And then I think the, the fourth one I have in the mix is Oklahoma State. So those are the four that I considered. Now, you can also make shouts for, I, I think, like Cincinnati and Kansas potentially uh, being the first uh, road game speed Speaking of first Big 12 game ever on the road for BYU at Kansas, and obviously the first home game against Cincinnati. But I'm thinking more prestige opponents, and those are probably the four that I think are the highest. Now, when it came down to it, I decided I wanted it to be Oklahoma. Now, Oklahoma is coming to Provo. They are the only one of those three games I mentioned that is not a road game. They're coming to Provo. It's their lone trip as members both of the Big 12 Conference before Oklahoma exits for the SEC. It'll be the last time, I think, for a really long time, personally, that BYU will get a crack at Oklahoma. I'd love nothing more than to beat the Sooners. It'll obviously be senior day in November out in out at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. So give me Oklahoma, Nick. But I think you can make shouts for probably half the games on, on the schedule, if not more than them. Uh, but I think Oklahoma is the one that I would love to guarantee for BYU. All right, uh, final question, at least that I, I've, I've seen so far. I'll refresh when I answer this question. But Alex Hansen at Young underscore Al says, Why are you a Mariners fan, but yet you betray the Pacific Northwest with your fa- 49ers fandom? Now, 
Uh, Alex, uh, what you need to understand about me, as I mentioned, I grew up in Orem, Utah. Orem, Utah, outside of the Utah Jazz, is a it's an island for pro sports. There are pro sports all around us in different markets. I have a bunch of friends I grew up with who are Denver Broncos fans. i got buddies who are Oakland Raiders fans. I will freely admit that Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, and Steve Young uh, ignited my 49ers fandom. Ronnie Lott, the legends of, of the 80s from the 49ers. I was just enthralled with the 49ers. I am a 49ers fan through and through simply because of that. Now, with regards to the Mariners, similar circumstance to the 49ers. I'm a kid who grew up in the 90s watching what the big unit, Randy Johnson, and of course, the kid, Ken Griffey Jr., as well as, well as a number of other guys. Jay Buhner, Edgar Martinez, Alex Rodriguez. You can think of those, those Mariners teams. Uh, in the mid to late 90s, and thank them. Thank those guys for making me a Mariners fan. I was a sports-free agent with regards to my pro sports allegiances, and that is why I am a Utah Jazz, San Francisco 49ers, and Seattle Seahawks, uh, not Seattle Seahawks, Seattle Mariners fan, but I also have added the Seattle Kraken. I I, I decided I need to get an NHL team, and I love the nickname, the Kraken, uh, so I am a Seattle uh, Kraken fan, so I guess you can uh, take some comfort in that, Alex, that I've been supporting two Seattle teams now, uh, funny enough, but uh, that is why. That is why I am uh, one of those guys, as you mentioned, that is, I guess, quote-unquote, betraying his Pacific Northwest uh, fandom with the Mariners by rooting for the 49ers. But I am a Niners fan, and I just uh, it's what I grew up with. It's just what I have been my entire life. I've got pictures going back as young as I, uh, two and three years old where I'm wearing a 49ers cap. I actually, there's a there's a hat. I know it's in storage somewhere, probably at my parents' house or either in my storage, like, that I know I have one of the, my snapbacks from the 90s. It's one of those green bill like starter 49ers caps i have to dig it out of storage at some point if you're watching this on youtube i'm pointing to that byu cap up above me that hangs on my wall uh that's a lavelle lavelle edwards era special it's a starter cap it's got the green underbill it's a snapback Uh, i got it off ebay probably a decade ago it was brand new when it came to me with the tags and everything on it but it's truly it's a lavelle era uh classic it's one of the beat digger cougar logos but it's a really really fun one and I, i i just it's fun. It's something I grew up with. and I've been a sports fan my entire life. Like I said, the Jazz were part of the soundtrack to my childhood. The, uh, the Cougars, obviously. The Niners. The Mariners. It's just it's what my fandom is. It's kind of funny that way. All right. A couple of quick notes before we go uh, in terms of BYU sports. I want to give a big shout-out uh, to uh, Adeline Anderson, who survived a sudden-death playoff to earn her first career collegiate win at the BYU Riverside Classic. That happened on Tuesday. Cougars finished second as a team after shooting 876. They lost out to Sacramento State in their first home uh, match, uh, home uh, tournament of the season, but a good showing uh, for Adeline Anderson in particular. Uh, Keanu Aquina carded a two-over 54-hole total score to take six. Sixth at the 76th Western Intercollegiate at Posse Tiempo Golf Club on Wednesday as BYU finished tied for fifth in that tournament. This is one of the top uh, college golf tournaments in the entire country. It was on Golf Channel. For those of you who maybe may have been lucky enough to stumble upon it, I actually watched a bit of that coverage. And uh, Akina had a phenomenal showing and a good showing for BYU as a team. I got to give a shout out to Pepperdine, by the way. Uh, the the day I saw, I think it was Tuesday. I think I watched. Uh, they had shot 22 under as a team that day alone. Geez, Pepperdine was just absolutely lighting that course on fire. The second best team that day, though, BYU. A team total 10 under during the Tuesday round that they played out there at Pasatiempo. So, 
good showing for Bar, uh, Bruce Brockbank and his squad out there in California. But congratulations uh, to them. Also, a big shout-out to BYU softball as they shut out Utah Valley 9-0 on Tuesday, as well as Cole Gamble leading the way for BYU to win 8-5 over Utah Tech at Miller Park. Uh, BYU baseball is on the road, continuing West Coast Conference action today as they take on uh, uh, Santa Clara out there in California. Games today and tomorrow and Saturday for BYU baseball. Uh, BYU softball is also in action, but they'll be in action tomorrow and Saturday. So there you go. You're up to speed. A little bit longer on today's show, a little bit over our 30-minute threshold. We try and keep it under, but nonetheless, thank you for your support of the podcast as always. Like I said, I I can't do this without you guys, so thank you for being with us every single day. And please, uh, if you haven't done so already, please become one of our everydayers and check us out every single day right here on Locked on Cougars. Until tomorrow, have a great rest of your day, my friends. This has been the Locked on Cougars podcast. See ya. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 